My name is Brandon Kraft. I was her grandson, and uh, I'm here today to honor her. And I'm going to miss her. I'm going to try to make it through this. And I'm going to talk for a little bit, but uh, at the end, I, I, want, I want to give everybody here an opportunity to reflect on her life and who she was. And at the end of this message, give everyone an opportunity to reflect on your own lives as well. And most of all, we're here to honor the one who has given all of us life. My grandmother was a Christmas present in 1923 on Christmas Day. Oh, that was almost 100 years ago. And uh, she was born not too far from where we are now. She was born over in the neighboring county, Iron County. And she grew up in an old farm house out there uh, near Viburnum, Missouri. Her parents were Alex and Eva Jennings. My middle name is Jennings, so that's where I get that name. And she was always proud that I was named. My middle name was Jennings. <laughs> and they called her Florence May. Or most, most of her friends called her Flo May for short. And she was their first and she was their only child. And she was born into a time that's completely different from today. Uh, <laughs> she's a product of a bygone era. Life was harder then, but in many ways it was simpler. And uh, young, young folks out there, you can only begin to imagine what it must have been like. Uh, she, can you imagine going without your internet or phone? I saw some of the young folks here today with your little electronic devices. Well, she didn't have any of those. <laughs> She didn't, people didn't hop in jet planes and fly across the country. Uh, they didn't get in their cars and drive across the state. In fact, most funerals were probably held in a, in a wooden shack somewhere. Uh, there was no electricity where she grew up. No telephone. No running water. She had to go fetch it out of a spring. And uh, they didn't even have plumbing. Uh, you, I'm sure most of y'all had to use an outhouse, but can you imagine having to use one in, in the sub-freezing weather? Yeah. Splinter-free toilet paper wasn't even invented until the mid-1930s. So uh, I, I, hear, I heard that my great-grandpa, Alex Jennings, had a radio, and uh, <laughs> she wasn't allowed to use it. As for to listen to any entertainment shows because it ran off of batteries and she didn't want to use it or he didn't want her using it so because he wanted to listen to the farmer's almanac or the weather or whatever so grandma grew up on a small typical ozark style farm and she lived a simple ozark style life she grew up in the 1930s in the middle of the great depression this nation was in a deep economic recession and she lived a life that we can only begin to imagine I remember her telling me a story once how she got on the uh, wagon, a horse-covered wagon, to, with a little springy seat that her dad would sit on, just like you see in that old show, Little House on the Prairie. And she'd go visit her grandparents in the neighboring town of Goodwater. Okay? If you go into Google Maps and you look for Goodwater, you'll find it, but there's nothing there. It's a town that doesn't even exist anymore. The only thing to remember people that used to... To live in that town, a thriving town that had a post office, churches, whatever, 
The only thing that's there anymore is an old dingy cemetery. And uh, so she, she comes from a bygone era. And I want to talk for a few minutes here about who my grandmother was. Uh, because I, 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 I loved her and I want to honor her here. here. But uh, for starters, she was a faithful daughter and she was also a faithful wife twice. Okay, she, and the first, her first husband, she married her high school sweetheart, Larry Barr, Lawrence Barr, in the middle of World War II. And shortly after their wedding, she re- received news of his death by a hand-delivered letter. He uh, died in the Pacific Theater on a boat off the coast of Saipan, and he didn't even get off the boat. And he's buried over there near Zar Tower. And shortly after his death, she met and married my grandfather, Dewey Weaver. And uh, Grandma loved and cared for each of her husbands. And she took care of all of their needs, even when they didn't deserve it. <laughs> and that, to me, is true sacrificial love. And I love my grandpa. But if you only knew what Grandma had to deal with. <laughs> and I, you guys are laughing because you know. But in spite of all the pain that she endured, she faithfully cared for him until the very end as well. And she was his companion in life and in his death. And she honored her vows made before God and the rest of the world. Grandma, of course, she was also a mother, She was the mother to two daughters, my mom Carol and my Aunt Debbie. And having been a parent myself now, getting to observe motherhood up close with my wife and son, Angie, I can appreciate what it means to be a mother somewhat. Okay, But mothers, they're life givers. And Grandma nurtured and she cared for her children. And she did this faithfully, not just in their formative years, but even as adults, as they became wives and mothers as well. And yeah, my grandma was also a grandma. She was my grandma. She was my sister's grandma. She was a very important grandma to my cousins, Brian and Alicia. She'll always be our grandma. I'll always remember her and cherish the memories. And I'd just like to share with you a couple of them. I remember I was living here as a little boy in West Plains, and uh, she came here to pick me up and take me down there with my sister to go visit Grandma and Grandpa. And uh, I remember getting there one day, first, first time I'd seen her for a while. Grandpa met me at the door, and Grandma and Grandpa said, Well, you're at our house now. You can watch all the TV you want. <laughs> Well, Grandma knew how to make her grandkids feel real special. <laughs> she bought me toys at Walmart, gave me money, got me ice cream whenever I wanted it. And I spent many weeks staying with them, with my cousins at Lake Norfolk in their camper, going water skiing. And she always took care of me. And of course, there was always plenty, and I mean plenty, of biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I went to college not too far from here in the town of Rava. And even as a young adult, she'd come stop by my house and visit with me, my little apartment. 
and she'd tell me how proud she was of me. She'd always call me Shug. <laughs> and we'd talk about politics, that dirty Bill Clinton. <laughs> and we'd talk about Rush Limbaugh with Grandpa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'd go visit them and stay in their, their camper when they go to Eminence for a bluegrass festival. And we had countless Thanksgivings at their house. And of course, there was always plenty of biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Brian, I'm sure, can relate to that. <laughs> and as a young adult, she even helped me buy an engagement ring for my wife. She encouraged me. And she told me how much she liked Angie, my soon-to-be wife. And she was always there for her great-grandchildren. I took my son, Cole, to visit with her many times. She got to see all her great-grandchildren. And she always had ice cream for him. <laughs> she had ice cream for me, too, even as an old, older man. <laughs> yeah, you can't get much better than that. You really can't. And, uh, you know, she loved her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And I think the last smile she even had was when she got to see her great-grandson, Cole. But she was more than just a loving person. She was a role model. She lived her life conservatively. She was frugal, almost to a fault. Some might even call her an old miser. But I look at her life and I marvel at it. My grandma and grandpa's frugality and simple living that allowed her to live a long life without having to worry about money. So I would encourage everyone here who knew her to pay attention to her life, because that's how it's done. You know, she showed us the way. One, you don't live beyond your means. Two, you be careful with your spending. Three, you invest your money wisely. And four, you save any economic windfalls the Lord brings your way. And of course, there were the little things she loved to read. She enjoyed, she enjoyed TV game shows. She loved her word search patterns. I don't know if I'll ever be able to see another Wheel of Fortune episode without thinking of my grandma. And like many of you, I'm very sad. And I miss her so much. And I miss my grandma. Her spiritual life she was a very private person. She was raised in a church-going home. Uh, the culture she was raised in believed and honored God, unlike today. Grandma did share with me on many occasions her love for one passage of Scripture, and she even shared it with me recently before she passed, just within the last year. So it was very important to her. And I think it's only appropriate that I spend some time reading it and talking about it today. And she could pick them. Yeah. It's a great passage to memorize and to study and to love and to recite. And in my opinion, it contains the sum and substance of all the scriptures. So if you don't know it, I would encourage you to learn it, to study it, and to love it just like she did. I know it brought her comfort. The passage is Psalm 23, 
If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. If not, you can just listen as I read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm just going to speak for a little bit about this, this passage and a parallel passage in the New Testament. David, the king of Israel, penned this, and he penned this as a sheep. He penned it as one of the Lord's flock. And here he said, the Lord, he is my shepherd. The entire focus of this psalm is on the one who is the shepherd. And his sheep have confidence in their shepherd's care. The shepherd is Lord God of Israel, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, being incarnate God amongst men, declared in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of them. And uh, as a believer, I can say it brings me such joy to know I am intimately connected with the one who has created all things, who has purposed all things. And the shepherd knows me as one of his sheep, and he has given me the great privilege of calling him my shepherd. Who better to belong to? Who better understands his sheep than the shepherd? And who is better to shepherd them than the one who created them? But I, being a sheep, like all sheep, I'm prone to wander. The prophet Isaiah said that all of God's sheep have gone astray, and each one of them has turned to his own way. And he also said that God has laid upon himself, the shepherd, the iniquity of them all. God's sheep are not their own. They have been purchased with the precious blood of Christ. And like David says here in Psalm 23, we as sheep recognize his ownership of us. In Luke 15, 4, my shepherd Jesus says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? The shepherd looks for and finds every one of his sheep. And he brings each one into the fold. And he delights. He delights in caring for his sheep. And as a believer in this gospel, I believe that I've always been cared for by Christ, the good shepherd, because I was chosen before the foundation of the world to be one of his sheep. He knows my name. He's numbered the hairs on my head. And he knows my weaknesses. He knows my sins. He knows my every thought. 
for he has predestinated them all from before the foundation of the world. But I was always not aware of his knowledge of me. His revelation to me has been a great comfort to me. And I have learned to know, like David, of his character, his care, and his tender mercies. I have learned that he views me in Christ as having never sinned. And I stand before him in a robe of righteousness and blameless before him. And I can approach him in prayer without fear. After all, why would a sheep fear the shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As a sheep in my shepherd's fold, I don't have want for anything. Sure, I may want that new car or more money. I may want a raise where I work. <laughs> and I may experience hardship and anguish from time to time. And Christ said in the book of Mark, But what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But under the care of a shepherd's watchful eye, I can boast in his care for me. And it doesn't matter what circumstances I find myself in or what pain I've inflicted upon myself through my stupidity, I know that he always has my benefit in his mind. The welfare of the sheep is dependent upon the management of the shepherd who owns them. It's not upon the sheep. My good shepherd never, ever, ever ignores my needs. His eye is always on me. I don't, need to be stand, I don't need to stand at the fence gazing at my neighbor's pasture because I have the richest pasture to be had. In other words, those who truly understand the meaning of this psalm know that I shall not want means that we are content. And we are content with our master, our owner, our shepherd, and his management of us, the sheep. I'm happy with all the things that I have around. These physical things like my car, my house, or my paycheck. I shall not want doesn't mean we will have everything. It simply means that God's sheep are content. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. As one of God's people, one of his sheep... I can lie down and I can rest. I'm not afraid. I can lie down because I know my shepherd watches over me. I don't have to be constantly on the lookout for wolves or constantly scavenging for scarce food. The Lord's provided for all my needs. As long as I'm in my shepherd's presence, I have no worries. Sheep, I don't know if you know sheep, but they're one of the most easily frightened animals there are. And as soon as I start to get scared as a sheep, I start to run and I start to hide from my fears. But if I'm with the shepherd, I don't need to run and hide. He protects me. When things seem like they're falling apart, I just have to remember that my Savior, the good shepherd, was also my friend. And I just have to remember that he does have all things under control. And his spirit bears witness to my heart and conveys a wonderful sense of Christ to me. And in this assurance of Christ, I can rest. I can lie down in green pastures. I think that's a wonderful metaphor. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul wrote, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind is not one that's perturbed. It's not one that is assessed with the fear of death. It's a mind that's at peace. So that's what it means to lie down in green pastures. And I can go on and on and on about this song. Uh, entire books have been written about it. But the point is, uh, God's people are sheep. And Christ is a shepherd, and the shepherd takes care of his sheep. And this is validated in the book of John, with Christ speaking to his disciples, curious people, and the Pharisees. I'm going to read a, a, few past, a, a few verses here. shouldn't take too long. But I'm going to read, we're going to read Christ's exact words about the sheep. John chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again, this commandment that I have received of my father. And there was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and he is mad. Why hear ye him? And others said, these are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, 
and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and came the Jews round about him, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them and said, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The Lord, my good shepherd, he laid down his life for his sheep. He laid down his life for this sheep. And he went to the cross willingly. And God the Father laid upon him all the sins of the sheep, of his sheep. And in time, his sheep will hear the shepherd's voice calling for them in gospel preaching. And all of the sheep will follow him. And not one of them will be lost. And if you're one of God's sheep, you too can sing this song that my grandma loved about the great shepherd. We're all headed for the grave. It won't be long before I die. It won't be long before all of you die too. And within a hundred years, unless the Lord returns, this land will be filled with a whole new generation of people that won't have any memory of us or your children or your children's children. It won't be long, and my grandmother's name will be a distant memory. Maybe remembered in some record book somewhere, or somewhere on the internet. And this is true for all of us as well. All of your stuff will be gone. Your house will be gone. Your cars will have been rusted or recycled. Your pets will be gone. And even your beloved sons, daughters, husbands, and wives or I'll be dead. And after they bury your body in the ground, you'll be forgotten by the world just sitting there in the grave. And if this world continues for another thousand years, even your tombstone will more than likely wither away like dust in the wind. But even with this terrible fact of impending death, God's sheep don't have to worry about the grave. They lie down in green pastures. And every one of them will wake up in heaven face to face with their shepherd who has loved and cared for them all of their lives. How does one know if they are a sheep? Well, all of God's sheep, all of God's elect and chosen people, they will believe the gospel of Christ. And this believing, it doesn't turn them into a sheep. It simply evidences them to be a sheep. Their faith is given from above because they are sheep. And this gift is one of grace and not of works, lest anyone should boast. Some people, they read the Bible and they only see the law and living morally in the scriptures. And reading the Bible 300 times won't turn you into a sheep. Praying a prayer won't make you a sheep. A sheep is just a sheep. And the sheep doesn't even look for the shepherd. 
The shepherd looks for the sheep. And the great shepherd comes and finds all of his sheep. And he brings them into the fold, and they follow him. Matthew one twenty one says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And if you're one of God's sheep, and if you don't already know the shepherd, he will come and find you and call you by name, and you will follow him. You don't get a choice in the matter. And then you as a sheep that has been found will then know the meaning of this psalm that Grandma loved to recite. The point of this message is that there is hope. There is hope in Christ Jesus, the God-man who walked on this earth over 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life in fulfillment of all righteousness on behalf of his sheep. And he willingly went to the cross and suffered the wrath of the Father for the sins of his people, his sheep. And when he gave up the ghost and was resurrected from the dead, he saved his sheep. There is hope. If you despair of your sin, if you want to be free from the fear of the death, the fear of death, then live every day as though it were your last. We should all be in the habit of dying to this world. In fact, each of us should die daily to it. And hold everything here with a loose hand. And we should live in this world in the awareness that everything here is perishing. Don't live for the perishing things of time. But live for the lasting things of eternity. Live as a traveler in a strange land. And don't get fond, too fond of it here because soon you'll have to let it go. In a moment's notice even. And if you are fearful of your future, then look to Christ. Look for the shepherd that is gathering in all of his sheep. Amen. Amen.